chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I am thrilled to have Zipper Zeppa on the show today. Zip is a former sportscaster, author, and the executive director at Modern Media. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Zip, I am looking so forward to this time with you. And I told you, I'm just so blessed. I don't even remember. I usually like to go back to the origin of meeting someone. And I don't even remember now, but you and I have been friends for a few years now. And I mean, we'll get into all this. I mean, you are a well-known name here in St. Louis. You you really revolutionized the sports industry here with broadcasting. But, you know, I love you for so much more than that. I love what you're doing today to build the kingdom. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things. But, you know, people may not know really how you grew up. So I know you grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years, if you would. Yeah, sure. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Yes, indeed. And middle-class family. I had a couple of brothers, so there were three Rezeppa boys. And we had a pretty normal childhood. I went to um, a burgeoning uh, young Catholic high school in the suburbs, Brother Rice. And we played football in the rough, tough Detroit Catholic League. I mean, Detroit's always been a tough town, and uh, playing football in the Detroit Catholic League at that point in time was a challenge. I uh, was small. I was 5'9", 155 pounds. My one gift was a rifle arm. I could throw the football, and that's how I got my nickname, Zip Rezeppa, because I threw the football with a lot of zip on it. And they put my name in the school newspaper as Zip Rezeppa. The nickname stuck and that was Zip for Life. I love that because I was going to ask you, everybody knows you as Zip, but your first name is Christopher. Yes. So I was going to ask you, where in the world did Zip come from? So thank you for already answering that question. But I know you grew up with a love for sports. So you went off to Boston University, got a degree in journalism, and I think your dream was to be a sports writer. Yes, that's right. I wanted to write sports. I always loved the written word and wrote for the school newspaper in high school. So I went to Boston University to pursue that track. 
And then I got working at the campus radio station and I kind of fell in love with the immediacy of radio where your words could be heard instantaneously live by people all over versus print where you had to wait until the next day if you're working for a newspaper or the next month if you're working for a magazine for your work to be seen. So I made the transition while in college from print to the broadcast routine and stuck with that for a long, long time. Well, and I know that you attended Boston University with some very well-known people. Tell us about <laughs> that, Zip. It was funny to be going to school with both Howard Stern and Bill O'Reilly. I mean, the two ends of the spectrum, right? Yes. <laughs> so uh, Howard and I uh, had classes together, but we didn't interact too much. Bill and I worked for the campus newspaper, Bill wrote news and I wrote sports. So we got to know each other. We had common interests. Bill was a big sports fan and we knew each other pretty well. We were friends, but we really didn't get to know each other until eight years later when we left Boston University. And eight years later, we wound up working with the same television station, hired at the same time, unbeknownst to each other. I show up for work at Channel 7 in Boston and I say, hey, O'Reilly, what are you doing here? He said, they just hired me to do the news. What are you doing here? I said, they just hired me to do the sports. So there we were, reunited eight years after we left Boston University. And that's when we became fast friends. We were working till midnight every night of our life. We moved in the same condo complex. We double dated, did all kinds of things. Who else was living that lifestyle? And we uh, began a friendship then, a deepening of a friendship that lasted till now. And then we're still good friends. That is awesome. <laughs> I want to go back. You were in Cincinnati and you actually wrote a song that I think the Bengals, I don't know if they still use that song or not, but it was called A Ballad of the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it became the fastest selling single in the history of Cincinnati. I'm not going to ask you to rap it for us or anything, but people can go and Google it, I'm sure. Yeah, they can. It's still out there. But uh, it was a song about the Bengals, the, the first year they made it to the Super Bowl in their history. And uh, I just wrote a little verse about the Bengals and the lyrics came to me and I grabbed a band that I was familiar with from a bar that I used to frequent late at night after broadcasts. And we ran in the recording studio, put it together, and it sold thousands and thousands of copies while the Bengals were making their run to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, in doing my research on you, Zip, you just were out of the box. You were an out-of-box <laughs> thinker. Uh, you did think differently, you know, but I want to take us back to 1984 and I'm going to read something here. You know, you said for the first time in your life, you told God that you wanted to do his will and not your own. Yes. And you said an incredible peace came over you and you were certain of God's will because you had had an offer from Channel 2 in St. Louis. And I'm going to read something here. You had a little bit of fear and trepidation, I guess, about coming to St. Louis because you were going from a number six market into a number 18 market. But you said for the first time in your life, you said, God, not my will, but your will be done. And so, you know, you came to St. Louis and I'm telling you, you turned everything upside down by uh, the way you did things. You know, you. I'm going to read one little thing here. It says TV sportscast in the market have been traditional, straightforward productions, a recap of the day's news, scores, interviews, highlights, and the daily double results at the local horse tracks. But you burst onto the scene with a unique look, a loud highlight-driven look-at-me approach that was a novelty at the time. And, you know, you just came on it very social. And I think one of the things you were best well-known for, Zip, was your Zippo Awards. 
Tell our listeners about that if they don't remember that time. Yeah, the Zippos went on for 17 years in St. Louis uh, on Friday nights. It was uh, the best, the worst, and the weirdest performances in the wild and wacky, wonderful world of sports every Friday night. So we took collections of great plays, lousy plays, funny plays. We put like animals water skiing, doing all kinds of crazy stuff in there. And we put together a conglomeration of that every Friday night. It ran for three minutes. We had Billy Joel's root beer rag playing underneath. And it was a fast-paced clip of the best, worst, and weirdest performances in sports back in the day when video was so hard to get. These days, everybody's got a phone in their pocket. Every kid's soccer game is recorded for posterity forever. Back in those days, it was hard to get video of great stuff, funny stuff, unusual stuff. And we worked hard all week long to put that together and became a phenomenon. The advertising rates going into that segment on Friday night were the highest in the entire market. People want to advertise around the Zippo Awards because so many people were tuning in. Oh, my goodness. Well, lots of levity and fun there. But, you know, Lisa, you know, you, you got to use your strengths in whatever we're doing. We got to use the gifts that God gives us. My strengths were not my looks. TV back in those days was uh, the land of the pretty, the land of people who look like movie stars. I was not in that category. In fact, <laughs> I was told a long time ago that if I ever made it to a major market, I would be the ugliest looking television sportscaster in town. Well, what are you going to do if that's going to be the case? You got to use your gifts. Yeah. So I had to be creative. I had to go out of the box. I had to use humor. I had to use intelligence. I had to take a different approach. I had to be unique. I had to entertain as well as inform in order to survive and in order to thrive and make it in a rough, tough, very, very competitive field. Well, you certainly did that, Zip. And we're grateful that you're here because, you know, to your point, though, you're using all those gifts today. And so I want to get into that. You've done a lot of things, though, since then. You know, you took a job with Metropolitan Employment, Rehabilitation Society, helping people with disabilities find jobs, which obviously is near and dear to my heart because we have a little girl with a disability. You went to St. Vincent de Paul, Angel Arms. You were the managing director for that. I mean, you've done so many different things. But Zip, I have friends that are in media. And I remember talking to a friend not too long ago, and he said, you know, television becomes your mistress. And it is hard. I mean, your hours are hard. And you said, finally, you know, you just got to where you were kind of tired of the grind, too. It is. I worked for 20 years, Lisa, in five different cities at six different television stations. And at all of them, I was working until midnight and beyond. In the Eastern time zone, the late news didn't start until 11 o'clock at night. It wasn't over until 1130. It would be closer to one o'clock before I'd get out of there. And after 20 years of getting off work at midnight and having nothing in common with most of the rest of the world, I needed a break. I needed to get out. I mean, consider you get off at midnight, you're hungry. You can't just go to bed. I was going to sleep at two or three in the morning after getting something to eat after work, getting up at nine or 10 in the morning. I was a single guy looking for a potential wife. I'm going, well, where are the women? Oh, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. They're all at work. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Six nights a week until midnight. Didn't leave much time for social life. Right. So yeah, it was a grind. I love, love, love the job, but 
70, 80 hours a week, six nights a week, it was a brutal, brutal schedule. And I got to my 40s. I quit at the top of my game because I needed a life. I needed to do something far more fulfilling than working my life away at a television station. And I want to get into that. I want to talk about what you're doing today because I know what you're doing today. You put your heart and soul into that zip. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about your book. You've got an amazing book out there. We're going to talk about all of that, but we need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Zipper Zeppa. Let's face it, the future is mobile. There's a good chance that you are listening to this show right now on your phone. Have you explored how you can move your business mobile too? Our mobile apps team at Technology Partners makes it their mission to move our clients into the hands of their employees and customers and change their business processes to meet the demands of their users. Let's work together and build a dynamic mobile app for your team. Go to tpi.co slash mobile apps and get the conversation started about how we can help you get your new application off the ground. So welcome back, everyone, to the Something Extra podcast with my friend, Zip Rizepa. So Zip, tell us a little bit, because we talked about the nonprofits that you started working for, but what was that like? Tell us that story about transitioning from broadcasting into these nonprofits. Well, it was a transition, Lisa, from a life of fame and fortune and recognition everywhere I went and people asking for autographs back in the days before selfies to a life of service. And I just felt called by the Lord to serve others. It started by doing some evangelization in the inner city, knocking on doors, asking people if they wanted to learn more about the church. And I was working with a partner doing that work. And he said, hey, why don't you come and see where I work? And I said, okay, I got out of TV. I don't want to do that anymore. And he took me to MERS Goodwill, which at that point was just MERS, Metropolitan Employment and Rehabilitation Service. And he showed me a life of serving people with pretty extreme physical and mental disabilities, helping them to find employment. And I became a job developer working one-on-one with people with mental and physical disabilities, helping them to find jobs, mostly part-time jobs, to supplement the Social Security income they were receiving. But these jobs made such a difference in the lives of these people. You know, Lisa, as a big, proud television sportscaster, the Lord had to slow it down for me. He had to bring me into the presence of people who walked slower and talked slower and thought slower than I did so I could see the Lord Jesus Christ in them. And then once I could see Jesus in them, eventually I could see the Lord in everybody in my life. So that experience of working with people with disabilities was a life-changing, incredible experience and made all the difference in the world and set me on a road to provide service to people the rest of my life. I worked at Murray's Goodwill for six and a half, seven years, and then um, went to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, where I was overseeing 3,000 volunteers in 180 parishes, serving the poor, the needy, and the suffering, wherever they were and whatever their needs were. I was there for five and a half years as executive director. And then I went to serve foster children at Angel's Arms. I was managing director of an organization that tried to serve kids who, in the state of Missouri, at that point in time, 75% of foster kids were being separated from their siblings because foster parents couldn't take in two or three kids. They could only take in one. So what happened to the brothers and the sisters? They were sent somewhere else. So Angel's Harm started a place where six foster kids could live in the same house with two foster parents. 
and they would buy the houses and charge the parents just a buck a year rent so they wouldn't have the obligation of a mortgage so they could be good foster parents to those six kids. Now, there weren't a lot of families of six foster kids, but there were a lot of twos and threes and so on so they could keep their siblings together. And I really enjoyed that opportunity to work and to raise, uh, through God's grace, incredible amounts of money to buy more homes so that more six foster kids and two foster parents could operate. I think they have 13 homes in the St. Louis area now. So my life as a life of a servant, a servant of the Lord, was very fulfilling. And I just felt a calling to go back to my roots, back to journalism, and write a book. I'd never written a book before, but in 2014, I wrote a book called My Rock and Salvation. It was about rock music and faith. We published that. We've got 20,000 copies out to young people. It was aimed at teenagers, and it was a great experience to do that. To do it, we formed our own publishing company. We wanted to cut out the middleman. We didn't want a lot of secular publishers editing out a lot of faith stuff. So we started Mater Media to write, print, publish, and distribute books to evangelize the faith. And then from there, we broadened it to uh, not only be books, but to be movies, to be music, to be DVDs, online videos, all kinds of broad ways to reach the people, to uh, help them in their walk with the Lord. So our mission statement went from write, print, publish, and distribute books to make Jesus Christ more known and more loved by more people through media. Yeah. Media is very powerful. So to use that tool to do what you're doing and to build the kingdom, I told you, I love that you're going back to your roots and using the gifts that you've been given to do that. So for those who may not know, Mater Media, what does that stand for? What's Mater? Mater is the Latin word for mother. So it's really the mother of media, the blessed mother, the mother of God that we uh, have dedicated our apostolate to. We prayed for her intercession to ask her son to lead us and guide us and to send the Holy Spirit into us to work with us in our work. We pray every day before we start work and we pray throughout the day to give glory to God and to make Jesus more known and more loved by more people through media. And that takes us in a lot of different directions. You've got lots of things. So I know that you've met a lot of Hollywood folks, and I know that you're really good friends with David Henry Yes, and his family, the gentleman that was on Wizards of Waverly Place, right? So how did that all come about? Yep. David was the brother of Selena Gomez for five years on Wizards of Waverly Place. And when the show ended, Selena went into a pop career, as we all know. David went into a movie career. So he started out by writing and directing a short film called Catch. It was about a relationship between a father and a son and a father who was so caught up in the business world, he didn't have time to play catch with his son. It was really pretty autobiographical. Now his dad and his David have a great relationship at that time. Not so much. His dad was a big real estate developer and David was a kid who wanted to play catch with his dad. So they made this movie. It was a 10 minute short film and uh, a contact of mine in Hollywood called me and they said, hey, Zip, you know Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's doing the O'Reilly Factor. This is a great film for fathers and sons. Father's Day is coming up. Can you connect David Henry with Bill O'Reilly and maybe Bill will promote Catch on 
the O'Reilly factor. I said, sure. So uh, that happened. And David got to know Bill O'Reilly. He was very grateful for me to making the connection. So I got to know David Henry and his brother, Lorenzo Henry, and their father, Jim Henry. We're very good friends to this day. And they're ambitious and moving forward in the film world to make movies that inspire and change the culture. They're working on one right now as we do this podcast in uh, the Carolinas. It's called Boys of Summer. It's going to be a few months before it comes out, but it's a coming-of-age story, a young adult thriller, and Mel Gibson plays an aging detective in that movie. David's directing it. He wrote it. And I'm very excited to see that come about because of the Henrys are intent upon using their gifts in the movie industry to create good movies, inspirational movies that inspire. We need that so much, Zip. We just saw the uh, Kurt Warner story. Ah, loved it. I'm like, we need more movies like this. It was so good. If you've not seen that, listeners, please get out and see that movie. And to your point, just so inspirational. We need good film. But I want to talk a little bit about your book. I love this book. One of Zip's books is for a greater purpose, and we'll put this in our show notes. But I love this. And I know your precious mom has passed on, Zip. So has mine. But you dedicated this to your mom, Millie. And she has a little bit to do with modern media, too. But you said, in gratitude to my mom, Millie, for giving me life, faith, and a love for storytelling. And so you have a whole chapter that's really devoted to her and just kind of her last days and just the special woman that she was. So this is such a good book. And let me let me tell you this. Zip would tell you himself. He did not hold back in this book. The prevailing thought was, I'm going to bear my soul here. I'm not going to hold back. Stories can really impact people and far too few people freely, openly share their stories. I decided to not hold back and to put it all in there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you've got so many great stories. I don't know what you want to say about your book more than that. I mean, your life story here, but as you said, it's the good, bad, and the ugly. We're all on this earth. We're all sinners. We're all made by God for God and for eternal life. But the journey isn't all a bed of roses for all of us. At some point, and in many points in life, we're carrying the cross. So how do we follow Jesus in carrying that cross the best way we can and to give him glory and to unite our suffering with his? I just talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly in that book, from broadcasting to not-for-profit work to serving the Lord with all my heart and soul. And I think more of us have to share that story. We're all human. It's that human connection, you know? The common denominator is our life that God has given each and every one of us. And I think when we're not afraid to open up and share our life, warts and all, I think it's encouraging to each other when we do that. So I didn't hold back in the book, and I'm glad that I I didn't. Now, the book came out in 2015, so we're going to do an update of the book, hopefully in 2022, because I didn't die soon enough. A lot's happened in the last seven years, so we've got a lot more to talk about. But again, I'm, I'm eager to share the way the Lord's worked in my life and how He works in my life every day. Right. Well, Zip, I could not agree with you more. And vulnerability and authenticity is so important. And so many times, like on social media, we look at people's lives and we think they got the perfect life. Everything is peachy in their life. But the reality is we all have struggles and we all have brokenness in our life. And so 
I think it's so important to be real about those things because to your point, it encourages other people because they can look at you and go, well, gosh, I got that same struggle. He's just like me, you know, but there's hope. (laughs) There's definitely hope. And we're all on a journey. That's what I say. I'm a work in progress. And we'll be till the day I die. But I love this book. You've got so many funny stories. So thank you so much for sharing it. Let me ask you, Zip, this is called Something Extra. What do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? The something extra that every leader needs is love. The greatest leader who ever lived is Jesus Christ. I mean, to this day, 2,000 years after he was here, he's got more than a billion people following him all over the world. That's leadership. And how did he lead? He lead with humility. He came down and became one of us. He was born outside with the animals at night in poverty. He died on a cross, crucified by the leaders and the common people, the soldiers crucifying him and mocking him and scourging him and killing him. And yet he did it out of love. He did it out of love for all of us. He did it not for himself. He didn't need to do it. He did it because he loved us and wanted us to live forever with him. So I think oftentimes we think of leadership, we think of power and success and all kinds of stuff like that. But a leader has to love. He has to love the people he's leading and lead with humility. And that humility, humility is truth. It rings true with people. When they see a true leader who is humble, and yet knowledgeable and intelligent and capable in his job, you have to be those things. I think people respond to that. And when they do it with love for the good of other people, I think that's the key to leadership. I love that. You are speaking my language, Zip. And my one word for 2021 was love more. And I know it's two words, but I had a good friend, Bill Ellis, that said, Lisa, just put a hyphen in there and you'll still be in compliance. Yeah, you're speaking my language. I love that. Okay, Zip. So tell me, Zip, you know, what are you most excited about right now? How can our listeners get involved? You can talk about whatever it is that you would like to talk about. Well, we're trying to get this movie out called Sound of freedom. You can Google it. The trailer is out. It's about human trafficking. It's really a hero story, the story of a true life hero named Tim Ballard, who started our Operation Underground Railroad, who rescues children out of sex slavery around the world. This is a problem that there should be worldwide outrage about this, but we don't hear much about it. Kids being kidnapped and sold into slavery to perpetrators that abuse them sexually. It's millions of kids. It's not a small problem. It's in countries all over the world. So this movie brings to light how this happens and why it happens and the heroic story of Tim Ballard and how he fights against it and saves these kids. The movie is made. We've had a number of screenings in St. Louis. But the challenge is to get it into theaters. It'll cost us $10 million to get 1,000 theaters, $20 million to get 2,000 theaters, and it's very, very difficult to raise that money. I think one of the reasons is when people think of movies, they think of entertainment. Hey, it's going to be a fun movie. I'll go to the movies. I'll tell all my friends about it. Well, this is not a fun movie to watch. It's a hero story. It's uplifting. It's inspiring. But the subject itself, when you tell people you're going to do a movie about sex slavery, they go, ugh, I don't want any part of that. So it's been difficult for us to get it out. Also, the pushback from the people who are making tons of money in this 
industry are against its release. So it's been very, very difficult. But through God's grace, hopefully the movie in 2022 will come out and will influence the world. Absolutely. I love that. I love what you're doing there, Zip. Well, Zip, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Like I said, I feel so blessed to call you my friend. I love what you're doing. Keep shining, my friend. And uh, thank you so much for making the time to be on the Something Extra podcast today. I listen to a lot of the episodes of the podcast. I love it, Lisa. So it's been my honor to be a part of Something Extra. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.